Hello, and welcome to The Source of Uncertainty, a Bukla podcast for you. I'm Kyle Swisher, and it's just me this month. Sorry. Robert, um, yeah, was a bit busy this month, so we, um, yeah, didn't quite get to be synced up to do this together. So, uh, yeah, sorry, it's just me. Um, so, yeah, I guess I gotta do this alone, and, uh, this feels weird, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna get through it. Uh, so yeah, I just got, uh, back from going to modular on the spot and this is the first time we've had one in person uh those guys uh at modular seattle which is uh bradley justin and josh have been keeping this thing alive throughout the pandemic doing streams and um this was the first you know outdoor uh event and first musical event that i've been to it's quite nice it's outside of course and it was at gasworks and so you're just looking at lake union and have your you know the most beautiful kind of picturesque seattle that you can see with you know float planes going overhead and uh and dance party pirate ships are now a thing i think i saw a um i don't know if you've seen these boats that um they're like hot tub boats where like there's a hot tub kind of underneath the water that's your floating within and yeah cool stuff it was it was a good time got to see a lot of friends and uh friends play music too and so so yeah that was cool um what else oh i want to thank all the artist spotlight artists that have been uh on this show over the past it's over a year now um i'm it's a yeah, part of the show I, I I really enjoy because um, just of the straight Buchla music that uh, I get to hear and then uh, share it with you all. So um, yeah, we've had a ton of great artists. I hope you all are subscribed to this podcast and get those and listen to those. Um, I'm always looking for artists to to sign up, so uh, please get a hold of me. Um, probably. You know, easy way to do that is uh, either through Instagram at uh, Source Uncertainty, um, and uh, or also through the website, which is um, uh, at Source of Uncertainty. Or sorry, um, <laughs> Source of Uncertainty dot audio, the lovely uh, website that Robert made us. So, um, so yeah, I guess on to Bukla esque news um the one thing that stands out to me that kind of um popped up uh recently is the northern light modular uh animated trisolator is what how i'm gonna pronounce that um which is their triple oscillator and it also has their kind of like a version of their i think it was called the electric dump tour i'm sure Robert, if he was here, he'd pronounce that much better than I would. But um, it's their uh, eight LFO that is um, eight output LFO. That's all kind of you can set up to be in phase or out of phase with each other, and it's a yeah cool device. But um, but yeah, all all of this is kind of jammed into a, a two panel space oscillator, so like a an old 
259 and yeah it's got the three oscillators and i think it's, it's they're based on sem chips um from what i can see on their website so you've got options for uh, three different waveforms that you can mix um, in and out. And this is for all three of the oscillators. They're all syncable. Um, they also have a, um, the, you know, they have individual pitch inputs. Uh, I think individ individual FM put inputs as well for audio jacks. Uh, they have a... I think a global input too, so you can control all of them. Like if you're setting them up as a chord and you want to play it with like a 218 keyboard or something like that, um, you can yeah change all their pitch at once. And then there's also like an, uh, a shared output section because you can get individual audio outs from all of these. Um, but there's a shared one which also has like a a drive uh, knob on that, which I'm like, ooh, what is that? sound like so um it looks really cool i i i have i mean they've kind of been teasing this thing for a while i i think they told I forget if we <laughs> talked about this on or off the show when we had uh uh those guys back on the show i think that was in january of 2020 january february something like that um but but yeah, we, I had a sense that, you know, they're working on this and it was going to be a big thing. And yeah, it's very cool. Um, they really, looks like they kind of swung for the fences and, and uh, yeah, I, I dig take when people kind of take a leap in these things and just make something big and bold. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, you know, maybe I'll get to try one of those sometime. That would be very cool. Maybe put that on this show so yeah you can go to their website uh northernlightmodular.com um for more info on that uh and yeah i guess on with to this show uh it was two years ago now that uh we had suzanne on the show and we kind of focused on the marf and i you know gushed and gushed about that um, but there were at that time for the version 2.1 MARF, um, lots of, um, you know, hiccups and, and things not quite <laughs> working correctly. Um, even though I was still in love with it, there were things, yeah, that, that, uh, weren't working. And since then, mainly over the last year of 2020, um, this guy, Steve Barsky, who I've mentioned many times, and others, uh, put in a lot of work because uh, when Roman Filipov then made the firmware available to all um, that could, you know, hopefully kind of work on this thing, uh, Stephen really took charge and started digging in and, um, and yeah, fixed the thing up to be, you know, very usable and quite lovely. So, uh, so yeah, I was just chatting with him the other day and it was like, Hey, let's, let's just uh, record this. Let's, let's talk about this. So, so yeah, I'm going to talk to Steven and before that, uh, I'm going to, uh, showcase the new Roman Filipov, um, version of the time domain processor model 288. So we got lots of, uh, looping and delays and eight tap madness uh, coming your way. So, um, yeah, look out. Hello, everyone. 
I am here with the Time Domain Processor Model 288R. Uh, this is Roman's version of this module. Um, I probably have talked about this module's history in the past, um, but uh, Don made this in the later 70s. I'm not really sure. I think it's maybe between like 76 and 78. Um, from what I hear, it's like his response to the, um, I think it's called like the Marshall time machine. Uh, it's um, kind of micro <laughs> delay machine rack unit uh, that I hear was uh, used for um, Darth Vader's voice, which is kind of cool. Um, I guess I would maybe put it, you know, that maybe came out in like 76 if they were... <laughs> That movie came out in 77, and so, yeah, this is probably 77 or later. Um, but, yeah, so then, um, but there are only two prototypes, three maybe, depending um, on who you ask. Um, Alessandro Cortini has one of them, and um, he kind of, it sounds like he uses it on a lot of stuff that he does. And uh, Mark Verbos uh, made a clone of this one. So there's the 288V as it's referred to out there, um, which is a pretty, um, it sounds like he went through a lot of trouble to kind of uh, make it as accurate as possible. Um, and I've played that one at EMS. You probably heard me gush about it if you've been listening to the show for a while uh, when I went to EMS uh, a year and a half ago. And... Um, yeah, really loved that thing, so I was kind of saving up for one of those, and then uh, Roman put out his version of it this year, uh, back in June um, 2021 is when I got this. Um, so yeah, this is more of a, uh, I mean, it was a digital delay, but um, this is all, um, you know, done off some sort of a computer chip in the back here, and I'll, I'll show the back of it in a, in a bit. Um, but yeah, kind of, uh, expands on, uh, some of its limitations because the, uh, the original one was like very noisy, uh, you know, at different settings, you're basically at like a 50% noise ratio to the actual signal that you're putting into it, um, that you're getting at the output. So, um, this is a lot cleaner and also, um, you're much shorter, delay times on the original and this one uh, gives you options to you know keep kind of within the same realm of the delay times um, of the original or expand those by like 10 or so um, so yeah let's kind of get into uh, what this module looks like I really dig um, the the look of this thing it kind of has a uh, to me, it's like a circular, there's eight sections with kind of seven different sections circling um, the main center section, um, uh, which is the most eye-catching, in my opinion, which is like the, the mixer output section, which has nine uh, sliders and uh, switches um, that basically lets you, um, when using this kind of for delay, uh, bring in uh, different taps of the delay. So you have your original signal at zero that you can mix in as well as 
um, yeah, then eight different taps out of that. Um, if you know the signal delay unit model 77 that came before this, um, if you're watching the video, uh, you can kind of see it to the right here, um, or like three quarters of it. But I went in depth on that module back when we had more on the show. Uh, last year, but that's like a four tap delay. So it, you get a quarter tap, half tap, three quarter tap, and a full tap out. Uh, so obviously this kind of doubles that. Um, but you're able to um, kind of in real you know, time mix those in and out. And there's also, um, you can invert the phase of those taps too, which I'll kind of show in a little bit. Um, so kind of starting, I guess, at the bottom left-hand corner is a mixer input. It's three uh, signal inputs with knobs in there. So that's where you can, um, you know, put in three different signals or however many you want to. Um, you might want to leave space, maybe leave one or two open um, because you can, you know, create feedback loops um, or more repeats. Like if, you, if you're kind of coming from a world of um you know uh, delay pedals uh, if you want to get your usually kind of with <laughs> delay pedals you're going to get a time a amount of repeats and then like a mix and so this um this is a bit of the mix but also um this is by feeding uh taps from the top section back out or back into the input that's where you're um you're upping your amount of repeats because you're creating a, a feedback loop. So, so you've got your three input uh, mixer down the bottom left. Then to the right of that, you have a uh, another where it just says signal in, um, which is basically a uh, like a modulation um, section, an audio one, just you know, kind of like an FM type of input. Uh, you then have a CV attenuverter, and then you have the um, the time uh, or pitch multiplier as it's here there's a switch for time and pitch which we'll get into in a little bit but basically your, your general time um, of the uh, of the delay uh, you also have a 1x and or yeah 1x and 2x um, um, you can kind of double the length uh, through the switch as two settings um, let's see above that we have our output section um, which has a mixed output, uh, which is basically anything that you have up on the um, within the mix uh, output mixer. Basically, the sliders and switches that you have selected will come out of that output. You also have these preset sum uh, outputs. Uh, there's two, four of them, A, B, C, and D, and I'll get into those later. Um, up above that, uh, we have the section um, where it kind of connects to the section to the left of that, which is your individual tiny jack tap outs. Um, I think I'll kind of get into this a little bit later, but basically um, your tap outs are, it goes from zero, which is like your main, your input, you're just going to find out of this zero output as well. And then it goes in 20 uh, millisecond increments, so 20, 40, 60, 80, 100, 120, 140, 160. Um, with the back panel, I'll show later um, with this top right hand section, you can, uh, with dip switches on the back, um, change the millisecond relations. Um, and so instead of having this, you know, everything 
go by 20, you can adjust it by 10 second increments. So instead of the 21, uh, you could have it be a 10 instead, and the 40 could be a 50 instead. Um, basically, there's 16 uh, dip switches for each uh, preset calibration, A, B, C, and um, whichever ones you select, you'll then kind of, um, it will adjust the timing of those. Um, so yeah, that kind of already goes over the um, out the top output sections. Um, their main function, or I, I tend to use it for the main function, is taking those out and running them back into one of the inputs on the mixer to start creating a you know, some more feedback repeats. And then we're gonna go over to the, um, now back to the left-hand side of the module. And this, uh, these two kind of sections deal with the looper, is what we'll call it. Um, it, there's nothing that, it doesn't say a looper. I don't know if looping was an actual thing um, or like a term used amongst musicians and uh, instrument makers and things like that um so basically they kind of um they call it like recirc or recirculate is kind of what they're what he's aiming for basically uh, taking some audio and recirculating it you know playing it back over and over again um so you have these kind of this bottom control section um how's has how you want to set up to grab that audio you can it has a uh, internal um, like envelope follower kind of sensor that um, is attached to the uh, first a uh, input on the input mixer and so once you hit a threshold depending on how you have the setup it will then the buffer will restart to kind of to record for its maximum length and then you have um, options on, um, yeah, on basically repeating that. Uh, then you, then above that, you kind of have these uh, uh, two pulse inputs and two pulse outputs and your cycle sections. And this is where you can kind of manually um, tell it to, you know, grab some audio and then start playing it back. And there's, there's not a lot of um, control over like your audio buffer time. You just have a three-way switch that says full cycle uh, in the middle. Doesn't really have <laughs> anything. It's basically like medium cycle. And then left, it uh, it's, it does say short cycle. Um, there's pulse outputs for when the um, like basically when your right section, which is like whatever you're putting into it. Um, we'll output a pulse, and then there's a uh, end of cycle section um, for the recirculate. So once it goes through its buffer, it will then put an output pulse there. Uh, you then have two more um, pulse inputs for the write and recirculate to kind of um, tell it with pulses when to grab um, more uh, audio and then when to stop it and start playing it back. Whew. It's a big one. Um, I call this like the MARF of uh, delays because there's a lot you can do with this. So um, let's just, let's start hearing some stuff now that I've blabbed on about it for like 10 plus minutes. Um, so A, I guess what I really like about this thing, um, maybe compared to like the um, 277 signal delay unit is 
you know, you can put an input out and then you have your four different tap outputs that you're going to eventually put into your mixer and hear that. So you're just hearing that delayed signal. You don't hear the original signal. So, uh, you know, most likely, you know, a lot of, or, you know, all the oscillators have multiple outputs. Um, and with like the 292 or whatever kind of Buchla, um, low pass gate you're using, you have multiple outputs of that. So ideally you kind of, you route the direct signal into the mixer um, and then you direct another signal into the um, input mixer of the delay unit. And so then you take that output. So you have your original, you know, um, sound that you're delaying it again. So you get those, you know, you hear both sections of that. What's cool about this, um, so instead of taking like two spots on your mixer, um, this can only take, this can take one because you can hear your, um, your output um, through this zero tap which is kind of nice um, so you just have one section of your mixer that you're taking up with this so yeah i got this little sequence going um, so these switches on the output mixer when they're in their it's a three-way switch when they're in the middle position they are muted so i turned this one positive so i turned it up turned up the um the actual slider and we can hear it you can you can you can attenuate it um so now it's muted. And then if you go down, it is, uh, a, the, it's flips the phase of it. So you could, and I'll kind of show this later. You could still run your, um, another signal of this, you know, like out of the 292 into your mixer and kind of have it be out of phase with this. So I'm going to flip up all the switches on these eight, um, sliders and you can start bringing in these taps so i'm just going to bring in like the actually i'll bring them all up just so you can kind of get a general sense uh you're going to get a general sense of how um how short this delay is <laughs> so this is at like straight up on the time multiplier dial and um so there's you know obviously you can hear like yes there's some sort of delay going on there but it's not very long i'm going to go all the way up on this and we're kind of overloading the mixer i probably have this like up too high but um but that's all eight taps kind of going at the same time very short kind of micro delay type of thing almost more kind of in like chorus uh, delay time uh, we can switch this now to the 2x which will um, extend it a bit as you can hear there and I'll go all the way up you can kind of get a better sense now of those eight individual taps and really you're hearing the nine taps because you're hearing the original signal along with that too um, so eight can kind of be a bit much. So what's cool about this is you can start muting different uh, or bringing down the mix of different uh, taps to get different rhythms. So I've um, brought down the one, four, six, and seven taps, leaving up two, three, five, and eight. And you have a bit more space in between those kind of delay taps. So I can, let me bring down all of them. Let me just go with like, I'll just do even, so two, four, six, and eight. And 
maybe I'll mix like uh, three up about halfway just to seven a bit more a little much so maybe I'll bring let me try bringing down like four and six bring five all the way up I'm gonna maybe just put up let's see maybe one no two I got now the zero tap two three four and eight things like maybe I'm gonna make a, uh, a shape so the zero tap is all the way up but then one is at its lowest and I'm gonna gradually kind of incrementally bring those all the way up to where eight is at its fullest um, so you can hear the delay taps kind of ramp louder as they go uh, which is kind of opposite what you'd think of like a regular uh you know delay function being as like the delay taps will get quieter as they go i can invert that to get the more traditional kind of first delay taps are louder and it gets quieter um so so yeah it's cool with all those taps you're you're getting those repeats and those are kind of built into this machine you're not even using any um any feedback yet so what i'm gonna now do is um out of the um the 160 millisecond and that's now based off of the the time multiplier too so that's kind of changing that but basically the eight tap uh, out up at the top of its tiny jack section I'm putting back into the input mixer so I'm gonna go back with that two four six and eight up and then I can bring up the input mixer and you can hear those delays feeding back I'll kind of maybe bring these down a little bit maybe I'll bring I'm gonna bring two and six down to about halfway, so four and eight are still up all the way. What we could do is maybe use like a, an odd tap out. Let's try going to maybe 100. 100 milliseconds, so that's kind of like the um, tap out number five, and I'll kind of mess with the just have the zero, two is up most of the way, and six is up most of the way. We can try doing two, so I can maybe go with like the 20 millisecond. Um, so I'm going to, because I have two mixer input sections right here, I'm going to put in the one tap too. Actually, I just turned down all the all the taps, so I just have the zero um, main signal input going through, and I'm just feeding back that um, five, one and five 
millisecond taps. So I have none of the other sliders up. I'm just adjusting those for feedback. I can bring up like, let's see, let me bring up the seven tap. And maybe the three taps. So yeah, that's kind of the main um, function of the delay section without its extended delays. So, um, you know, pretty short stuff. Uh, I'll go into in a bit. Um, I'll pop this out and turn on the dip switch that extend those delays. So you can kind of hear that too. Um, but let's go now. Um, let's switch over to this um, kind of uh, looper section. So in my memory and kind of when I've looked back um, at the verbose one, these are acting a bit differently um, than the or the Roman version is acting different than uh, than the verbose one, which I would assume um, also is <laughs> acting different from the uh, from the original. And it's almost as if um, he's kind of split up the delay and the looping into two different sections. Um, we have this. Um, uh, this three-way switch in the middle that um, is so you can put into all sounds. Um, there's also arm pulse and next sound. So um, when it's in all sounds, you kind of are in, from what I can tell, is like the delay section, like everything that we just kind of did there. And then if you want to go over to the, um, you know, the looping section, you switch this switch in the middle. Then you'll see a right. Uh, LED WRITE um, that will light up in the top left section and let me just here I'll just kind of turn these things up again so that's what we had before right and then when I switch it over um, it does really kind of funky aliasing things when you change some of the time switches and things. Um, I kind of dig it. Uh, but you can hear the delay time got really short. So yeah, I'd like to talk to Rowan about this and kind of see what's going on. But it kind of has a set delay time now. Like if I ch change the time multiplier, nothing happens. So um, where in my memory, it's like it didn't if for the verbose one, um, you didn't kind of have to do this. The um, the looper section was always kind of ready to grab whatever you're doing with whatever delay time you had. But this is kind of setting it to be like, no, it's this certain delay time. Um, so, yeah, let me, so I guess the first thing to maybe show, there's kind of, a few different ways to grab this um, audio that's going on. So right now what I'll do is I'll put a, um, I'm patching a pulse output from my 218 on the music easel into this next sound section. Or actually before I do that, I'm gonna go through the, uh, or the sensor section first. So this sensor knob is attached to this first input and you kind of engage it by turning it up and you'll hear see this auto control uh, light 
flash now. It's, it's flashing in time with the audio that's coming through. I'm gonna open up the VCA a bit to let more sound in. But you kind of like get it going. The buffer starts filling up, and if you're looking at this video right now, um, and maybe kind of if you hear it every once in a while, the buffer fills up and it flips over to where it's gonna start um, playing the sounds that you've then recorded. It's gonna start looping. But um, I have the sensor up so loud that when it kind of trips the sensor again, it goes back to its right section. So I'm going to um, back off a little bit. There we go. And I'm gonna, so, I've, so we um, now have a looping section along with what's playing from my direct input. So I'm going to turn my direct input down. So now we're just hearing what um, what we just kind of recorded in our looping section. This is the full cycle of it. Obviously, like very very <laughs> short um, to probably what you're used to with um, you know different looping pedals and things like that. Um, so if I flip now to the middle section, this is like the kind of half loop. And then I'm going to go to the short section. So that's a very short <laughs> piece of audio that it grabbed. Um, what I really like about this section though, um, and it's fun to work with kind of, I've found it pretty easy to jam with. It, even though this, you have these short passages that it grabs from, um, you get these, uh, you get this pulse output out, out of the end of cycle um, section. And I like then kind of driving maybe like another sequencer with that. So you kind of have, um, you know, you can make this be a backbone audio section and then drive other things in your system um, off of this rhythm that it's putting out. So I'm going to put this into um, another, another section of the MARF. Um, it's got another like four, um, uh, four note sequence and I'll bring this up on the mixer it's um, this other side of the marsh is pulling from the same notes that the um, family of notes that this original sequence was using so it's you know, in tune with this which is kind of cool um, so that's pretty you know musical on its own in my mind um, you can then switch it to that middle um, stuff kind of you know shorten that timing so it's going to go faster through its cycle and we'll go to the short cycle so yeah you know where that kind of original thing was very percussive and you can hear kind of how quickly it's cycling through its end of cycle um, uh, we can also then you know bring in our original signal again now it's you know not gonna be I guess I could then take this and go and kind of um, also clock it for, at the same rate so I could do but maybe I can just take its rhythmic stuff out
so yeah i found that pretty fun um to jam with um oh what i haven't even got into is now we can kind of go back over to the time multiplier section and so we recorded this at this 1.0 mark on our time multiplier knob which is basically straight up and down um so now if we turn it up the pitch of it goes up and it, it, it runs faster as well. And we can go down. And we can switch our cycle again. That's that medium cycle. Here's that short cycle too. So if you just wanted one some kind of percussive <laughs> hit, I find that kind of when I'm just jamming on this, I'll, I'll check all three different sections um, and maybe find inspiration from these kind of shorter uh, percussive hits when it's on the short cycle and build from that. Um, and actually, so the, the uh, output mixer sliders, um, that's kind of where... Um, you know, if you turn them all down, that's what's uh, affecting your output at this point when you have a loop. It's these sliders. So depending on which ones you have up and stuff, you can kind of shape its timbre a bit and volume. Kind of funky. Um, okay, so that's like the auto sensor. So then I can turn this back on. Turn up some audio again. We just grabbed another section again. It's going to be pretty similar because it's, you know, <laughs> the same sequence and everything. Different on its short cycle. Kind of a more defined hit um, for kind of percussive stuff. Um, okay, so now let me show you. So that's one way to grab audio. And another thing you can do is you can um, uh, patch into this next sound arm pulse kind of uh, <laughs> orange uh, pulse input jack. And let me turn this back up. And so now if I tap on my 218, um, it's going to go back into the right section. And it's going to basically start restart the buffer um, and start recording again. So you can kind of just on demand when you want to reset it, uh, patch into this section, send it a pulse, and then it'll grab that. Um, you can then um, uh, you can then also patch two different pulses um, into this right and uh, recirculate section and kind of have, um, I guess what I could do, I can try and grab even maybe shorter um, uh, sections of audio with this. Um, let me try and get this patched up real quick. So what I could do, I'm going to patch into the sample and hold section of the um, 266 and so the pulse input has two after you put a pulse into it um, 
it has two alternating pulse outs. And so what I can kind of do with this um, is basically every other tap on the 218 is going to send it to right, and then when I hit it again, it's going to go to recirculate. So right now I have it at right, so nothing's happening. And I'm going to give it two quick taps. Or actually, let me... So now every other time, and this is easier to see it when, <laughs> when you're actually looking at this video, but every time I tap it, it goes back and forth. Um, you know, another way thing you can do is you could set up maybe um, different pulses from like your sequencer to like basically have it, you know, on, um, you can either program it like if you've got the MARF or if you've got, uh, say your, um, uh, like 245 or 246, you can designate different pulse outputs to go into the right and recirculate and it'll just kind of capture audio during those, those, uh, sections. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, um, the basic overview for, for that. Um, let me, before I kind of pop this thing out, I'm going to go into the longer timings and, um, the different, uh, outputs. Um, one cool thing I've found, and I haven't really talked about this is the pitch section, um, that you can f switch to on the bottom right hand corner. And this, um, gosh, I, <laughs> I, going back and trying to do all the research and I didn't really get in or I didn't really quite understand it when I had uh, access to the, um, uh, the verbose version. Um, but from what I can tell is when you turn that over, it kind of, it shortens the delay time, but it runs a, a down ramp uh, like oscillator. Uh, I think it's an LFO. Um, it kind of like self-modulates the timing of this, and um, I, you know, in a way, it kind of gives like a um, a. Well, I'll I'll have you hear it, but it kind of gives like a. And let me turn. I'm just gonna have a static sound up. So, put one tap up. Um, so I've got the four tap, zero on the four tap up. So it's, I'm in the time section um, at the one X and I'm switching over to pitch and I'll bring up maybe some more sliders. Move this around, it's really kind of, subtle um, but what I've found um, I'm kind of turning this time multiplier around and you're not hearing too much of a difference but what I have kind of found is it's the coolest setting that I've found um, also uh, takes into account the phase switches so I'm going to run the same oscillator into another channel Sorry, that was kind of loud. Um, and then I'm going to run the zero tap output, but I'm going to run it out of phase with this thing. I'm actually going to turn down all the taps here. Um, 
And so I'm going to turn these both up. And now on the mixer, both of these are up. And they're both in mono. So they basically count, cancel each other out. If I take out the main signal, you can hear that get loud again. But yeah, like right there, it's where even kind of almost canceled out. So that's the point that I want it to get to. And then when I find when I add other sliders, so I'm adding the first slider up, get this really kind of cool out of phase flange type of sounds. Um, and I, you know, compared to where like, I'm going to switch over to time, and we kind of lose that uh, that kind of hollowed out, marbled out effect. Um, I can then add, you know, more sliders up, and it kind of affects the timbre of it. So I see this more of like a tone timbre shaping type of an effect. Um, then. Now at this point, uh, I do find the um, pitch knob does have more of an effect, and it kind of detunes things a bit. So I've turned it, it up to like, I'll turn it up all the way. And you kind of hear more dissonant warble drift between the signals. Now I'll go to like 0.6, and it's quite a bit tighter. And you'll hear this in the background. Um, this kind of tick every two seconds or so. And I think it's maybe this LFO down ramp that's happening. You're hearing the peak of it right there. Um, so yeah, like this, <laughs> this is like a cool thing that I've found when using this um, kind of function. I don't know if in this version compared to the other version is really um, if they're having the same effect. Um, I you know, would love to have the other version here <laughs> as well and kind of play with them side by side to try and figure out what is maybe you know, happening on this version compared to the other. Okay. So I am going to pause for a second and uh, pop this thing out and turn up the, the delay timing to kind of uh, show you the, um, yeah, the longer delay time and what you can do with these uh, preset sections. Okay, now what you're seeing, I mixed all this pink bubble wrap, is a uh, is the back of the uh, time domain processor. Um, what is really cool that Roman has done with this um, is compared to the original and the verbose version, um, if you remember, I kind of talked about the um, these preset sections for the main outputs. There's four extra ABCD outputs, and there's also um, preset settings to shift the... Um, the time we're going to call it calibration, your individual tap calibration. Um, uh, that was all in the original module and everything, but you had to um, literally like connect, you had to wire up this preset 
put all these different um if you look at like an original ba the back of the original or back of the verbus one there's just tons of wires everywhere um because i'm guessing you're just you know you're connecting wires to putting in different resistors and things like that to set these presets and so that's a lot of effort um you know to have this thing that yeah a you can always kind of go back to but you know if you're going to want to change that <laughs> at some point that's an ordeal so what roman has done is all that kind of functionality um, has been put into a series of um, dip switches and um, little mini trim pots. Um, so on this t this left-hand section, there's four different sections that represent the A, B, and C, D preset output stages, basically. And what each section does is mimic your main um, output mixer section, the, you know, the nine individual sliders and phase, you know, uh, switches as well. So you'll have 0, 20, 40, 60, 80, 100, 120, 140, and uh, 160 um, mini trim pots in preset A. And so you can basically, um, by dialing those up, it's as if you're setting the slider at a certain position. Um, and then you have another um, set of dip switches that if you have them up, it's going to be, you know, set to the positive section. If you have them down, they're going to be out of phase. Um, so there's no mute switch, but basically what if you want a tap uh, to be muted, you would just turn that trim pot all the way down and you're not going to get an output for that, that section. So you can do that four times over for for each of the different outputs um kind of moving over um so i guess in, in my how i want to utilize this uh i really like uh stereo delays and kind of ping pong delays you know delay taps bouncing back and forth um which was really easy to do with the um uh, the signal delay unit i mean you can uh, the 277 uh, you can do that with like the individual um tap outs up top but the main kind of mixed output uh with all the different sliders that um you know that that's just mono out so there's you know just one signal coming out of that so what i saw that you can do with these presets is kind of set the two pairs a and b and then c and d as different stereo output options. Uh, so what I've done is um, for A and B, I've turned the first kind of zero tap, you know, your main input signal, up all the way on both of those. And then I've gone back and forth um, thinking of it as A is your left output and B is your right output. And I've gone and kind of ping-ponged back and forth. So the tw um, so the next, uh, the preset B, the second uh, trim pot is turned all the way up, where on A, it's turned all the way down. And then the next one, I have A turned all the way up and B all the way down, and so on throughout. So you're going to get eight taps, but they're going to go, you know, bounce left and right. Um, then for C and D, what I've done is... Um, basically not utilized all the taps. So I'm having both the same zero main input tap up, but then I'm putting a, uh, the first tap, I believe it's on the fourth um, um, uh, section on preset D 
and then the last tap output on um, preset C. So it's, you're only going to get, you know, one left and right. You're going to get your main signal first, like if you're doing kind of like a percussive one hit type of thing, and then you hear one repeat on the right and one on the left, and that's that's it. Um, I'll show you why I did that in a bit. Um, now we have the um, the calibration settings for the three presets um, for the individual kind of tap outputs. And so because you're kind of locked into these presets um, with the outputs, I saw kind of an opportunity to use these different ones to, you know, shift these, um, these uh, you know, kind of calibration presets around um, just for more variety because you're set here you're not really able to use the um, the mixer panel you know which is like the fun part of this thing in my mind um, but I wanted that stereo so this is kind of a compromise like well okay if I'm just stuck in this stereo I'm not you know I'm I'll show you how I do kind of utilize it which is still pretty cool but um, this is just another op option to kind of shift things around which will kind of make more sense when I have stuff on um, but but yeah so basically what you do is there's 16 um, uh, individual um, little dip switches and the first eight that you turn up into the positive um, will then see themselves at the you know eight individual outputs and they go 10 through 160. So I've just kind of done a few different patterns. Like one is maybe the first two are off and then, um, then the next two 30, 40 are on, then two off and then, um, and then the next two are on and kind of go back and forth there. And yeah, just done different, different things to try and mix it up. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of an explanation on the back. Oh, what I've also done is, there's this um, bottom right hand, another set of dip switches. And these are kind of the extra um, uh, modifications that can be, that Roman's kind of put in here to, you know, extend the uh, playability of this thing. So the first one extends the delay and loop um, time, I think by 10. Uh, so you're gonna hear a lot longer delay times. Um, then there's one that will I think the second one, it basically will cut, it'll reduce the amount of high end frequency that will come output out of this to like maybe 11, hmm, maybe, I forget. Yeah, maybe it's like 11,000 hertz, I forget. Um, uh, or yeah, sorry. You know, I'll probably have botched that. Um, and then the three and four, different combinations of that will, will reduce the bit rate. It, I think it like, you know, one combination will be 12, um, one will be eight, four, and, and I think it might, maybe it stops at four, but yeah, there's like three or four different things that it'll, it'll turn down the bit rate. I've kind of left it all clean. I've messed with those and, you know, it gives a bit of a, a crunch and character to it, which, you know, what it was great about the original one or the, the verbo section, but uh, or verbose module, but um, yeah, I've just found I'm liking the kind of cleaner aesthetic with this one. So yeah, I'm gonna uh, then now kind of switch this over and pop this in. 
Okay, we're plugged back in, and I have the A and B preset uh, outputs um, in the summed output section uh, patched into my 207 mixer, and I have each one panned hard left and right, so you can kind of hear this stereoness um, of this setting. Um, so I'm just going to do one hit. So I'm I've extended the delay time as I've showed you, um, but we're still on the shorter end. We've got the one X section um, with the knob straight up and it's still very short on this section it really doesn't get very long until you flip over to the 2x but I'll give you a couple examples so that's eight taps going um, and I can turn that one all the way up but still in the 1x section hear more of those individual taps now I'm going to switch over to the 2x and I'll go straight up. So now you can hear um, those individual taps much, uh, much better and they're much cleaner. So I'll play it again. So if you remember, I have the zero tap out. So that's going to go to both kind of um, the first hit is going to go out of both of the taps um, or both of the outputs. And then it's going to go back and forth. Um, you know, right to left. There you go. I can crank this up all the way. So this is like the longest delay time that you can get. So yeah, there you go. Um, if I, here, I'll turn this sequence on so you can kind of how cool it can sound uh, with eight taps going. There you go. Stop that. So, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, I don't have any... Um, you know, feedback patch in there. So, you know, those are just like the eight taps that are going, I guess, before I show you, or no, I'll do it now. Um, one cool, so now that we're in this kind of stereo mode and these sliders don't really have much um, effect, um, when I want to do feedback, what I found, instead of, you know, patching into the individual um, tap outputs like you know if i want the eight tap output to be the the main feedback source to run back into the input mixer um what i found is even cooler is if i use the mixed outputs that we're now not using because we're using our you know preset stereo outputs i run that back into the input mixer now i can go back to using the um the sliders and switches switch things out of phase if i want to um and tap or patch my feedback in this way. So this is gonna be you know quite a bit of a, a garbled mess because we've already have the eight taps going on, and now we're gonna introduce <laughs> you know more. So let's let's just hear what we're gonna get into. So I'll turn up like the eight tap all the way. You can kind of hear that feedback's influence and those taps just kind of keep on going and going and shimmering throughout, which is really, you know, pretty cool. 
Let me try turning on maybe like the third tap as well. A lot going on. Uh, let me try the fourth as well. And this is kind of the point. Uh, I, I kind of like the... Um, so I've stopped it. You can hear now those feedbacks going. I can really crank the mixer to grab those and really start to feed them back. trying to grab onto it by you know switching in other things but um i feel like uh with the knob about three quarters of the way up is where i tend to find it's like sweet spot where i can um with the tap slider all the way up i can get a, basically two tap sliders at their full volume um and it won't kind of uh, feedback uncontrollably <laughs> when I start to push up more than that I'll then want to back down on the input mixer but then it's usually just kind of chaos anyways but that might be what you want um, so okay so to back up for a second we're gonna kind of um, now go up to this calibration setting so if I'm not using the um, the feedback section to kind of uh, extend those repeats or kind of change the rhythm of of it a bit um, we're gonna try using these different presets that I've I've selected here these a B and C uh, sections that that bump the um, the millisecond sections around so we're back on with our our sequence so we're in the cal the regular calibrated section where it's 0 through 160 and 20 second or 20 millisecond section so I'm gonna switch over to preset it's a set to A now and we can definitely hear that it's changed like it kind of also it feels like it has like a swing to it like it swings to the right ear in my in my head I don't know if it's doing the same for you you know obviously like changing the time multiplier was gonna you know, affect this a bit too Probably hard to find like the exact spot where it's gonna work musically, where I do have it kind of set at this 0.8 section with the regular calibration, which I've switched back to now, and it's a you know pleasing rhythm where we're at too. So okay, so now I'm gonna go back to the preset. So this is A. Now I'm gonna go to B. This one's weird. This one's cool. So yeah, just different options. <laughs> you know, really quick kind of two switches away 
and you know can kind of change up the whole feel of this delay pattern um you know but you can quickly go back to the way you had it going back to the calibrated section Okay, so now I'm going to stop that for a second, and I'm going to switch the um, the outputs to the C and D. Um, so if you remember, I only turned up two of the dip switches on this one. So in theory, um, we should get the initial, you know, zero output, and then it's going to go, um, I think on the fourth tap, it's going to come out of the D output, and the uh, eighth tap, it's going to come out of the C output so it's still going to be a stereo ping pong thing but you know not eight taps basically two taps so here we go and actually here i'm going to stop this i'm just going to go one hit at a time so you can hear the uh so there we go you got your initial hit then right and then left so now starting that back up, you get a more sense of space, like the other between your taps, right? Like um, still a cool rhythm, but you're not kind of just bombarded with those eight taps because we kind of can't get away from those when you're in this preset section. Um, there's just a lot going on. But this is where I find using the mixed output um, and going back and playing with the um, the sliders and switches um, on the output mixer section um, leaves more for that room for that feedback to do cool stuff. So I'm gonna just try, let's try like two. That's pretty cool by itself. Let's try two and three. So already we're kind of getting back to that same feel of like having like the eight taps in my mind. You know, a lot, a lot of cool shimmery stuff going on. I'm gonna bring the, both those out. And I just, man, I just sat here for hours kind of, <laughs> you know, sitting with a sequence like this and then just like, well, let's hear what like, you know, the fifth tap up sounds like and just doing different combinations. So in fact, I just have turned up the fifth output. Let's try to turn up like the first output too. And then, yeah, just finding different mixes. So maybe I want to turn the one tap up um, all the way and I'll go to like half with the fifth tap. And then we'll see what happens if I turn up the sixth one to like three quarters. kind of maybe goes on for too long that you want you can just back up on that input mixer or you mix the different taps lower too we can also then mess with the the preset section just to see what that gives us too so i'm going to flip it back over to the preset a you 
you feel a little bit of a difference there. These aren't, this isn't gonna be as effective because we only have those two taps, so it's not really switching these things around very much. I'm gonna just switch it to B. And I'm gonna go to C. change things but you know then you still have your different taps that you can play with too and the timing so very jammable um, you know very very fun in my mind Yeah, so there you go. Um, I'm not gonna get back into the um, the looper section in this longer setting. Um, just know that, yeah, basically, you know what? When it was maybe about five seconds on its full cycle to go through, you know, on its lower settings, uh, the buffer is now. 25 seconds I think on its full cycle uh, I guess I'm going to refer back to the thing we mentioned last month where I did the uh, the time domain processor summit with uh, Todd Barton and Adam Scramstad and um, Todd really had mapped all that out and he did a really great patch um, kind of mixing the uh, 216 um, touch plate with um, with all its different pulse outputs, he was kind of showing you all three different ways um, by, you know, pulsing into the next sound or the right and recirculate kind of um, all different ways to control that. And um, it was really cool. So, I'll, you know, he, he did it <laughs> much better than I'm going to do it today. So, um, you know, go to his YouTube page. Uh, it's going to be kind of mid June that he posted that um, and take a look at that. I also kind of, uh, do go into more of the preset stuff. Just what I showed you. This is me updating it since then, kind of figuring out that like, oh, maybe less taps in the stereo um, summed output section is um, is better when I want to mix um, some of the output mixer into it. So, um, yeah. Oh, thanks for uh, sticking around with me on this one, and um, hope this was uh, you know some insight into this thing that not many people have played with and yet this is a different kind of incarnation um you know it's definitely like a uh um uh i'm trying to think of the the word it's 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 definitely not a you know a recreation it's a you know in, in a module inspired by the originals is what i'd say kind of in its current state but um but super fun nonetheless <laughs> A 
Okay, I'm here with uh, my friend and uh, Marf Savior, Stephen Barsky. Stephen, <laughs> good morning. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the show. How are you? Sure, I'm doing wonderful. Thanks. Uh, looking looking at my Marf right now, going, what a wonderful piece of uh, kid it really is. Right. I I do the same every day as it's you know right to my left as I sit at my computer for for work for eight hours and you know i i won't lie i do shift my chair over and and play on it through a bit throughout oh my, the day. oh my goodness oh god <laughs> um so yeah deep connection there um so yeah i i wanted to have you on i've i've mentioned you several times uh throughout this uh show since uh meeting you probably a couple man are we maybe almost two years ago did we kind of start chatting we'll get into that but yeah, yeah but yeah like i that. just wanted to kind of talk to you about marv but yeah how do we i think we probably met through bill and you exactly. getting your marf right right i think uh todd mentioned that i should talk to bill about a marf about it doing a bill mm -hmm. and then bill mentioned that he that you he was building one for you or had just finished one for you yeah and, uh, and that's how i think we got connected with that yeah, that's right. Yeah, because I got him going into kind of bookless stuff. Um, I met him by chance at the Patchworks um, synth shop in in Seattle, and uh, and you know attached myself to him and be like, "Hey, you're really <laughs> you're a talented dude. Maybe you'd be up for building some bookless stuff." And uh, away that's gone. And that was funny because um, also uh, I got him introduced to Todd at the um, uh, velocity event that we had a couple years back where, you know, he, Todd was, Todd and I were kind of chatting in the back and he was asking like, who should I talk to, you know, about getting stuff built? Cause you're getting some custom stuff built or built and, and Bill just like walked right in front of us yeah, <laughs> right at that time. moment. So I was like this guy. So, um, that's really cool. Yeah. So yeah. So, yeah so he, sorry. He, so he built my Marf did wonderful, did a wonderful job, by the way, meticulous, clean, Mm -hmm. And then I got it home. I realized that hey, it's not working. I <laughs> did <laughs> not do my full due diligence, and I checked all the uh, different websites that have stuff about Google and modulars, and uh, didn't realize that it was such a such a sad state. Yeah, and, and I, I okay, keep going. Yeah, I won't. I'll let you. <laughs> and then, well, and, and that me called Muff. And something in my brain just kind of clicked and said, I can do that. And uh, the rest <laughs> is history. <laughs> Looking at retrospect, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> well. Yeah, you didn't really qu quite know you're signing yourself up for, right? Yeah, I mean, hindsight is always twenty twenty. <laughs> Cause yeah, cause then you get jokers like me, uh, you know, banging on your door. Hey, it doesn't work. Requesting it different doesn't things. Work. <laughs> yeah, the process work actually. You know, so people who who don't know and have questions, or or people who really do know. I mean, there's some really really smart people out there, and I had a, a good chance to meet and talk with some of them about how the MARF works. Because I would have done it differently myself. 
I mean, mm-hmm. I would have, uh, I mean, I'm a, I love sequencers, but I'm not, a, I don't have a deep Buchla background myself. Mm-hmm. And so I would have done it differently, but uh, Max Lord, uh, what yeah. a brain trust in one, in, in one person, because he seemed to understand how it was supposed to work. And, um, and once he was able to convey that, we could sort of start going down the, the property. Yeah, and that's and he did that Marf uh, cookbook about like a year or so ago yeah. too. Mm-hmm. That, right, and that's that a great resource. Up. I'm gonna, I'll link that in the show notes for this if I think I've done that in the past. But great. yeah, so uh, I guess going back real quick, what is your you know mentioning that um, you know don't have a, a long history with Bukla? Where did your kind of musical synthesizer history start so yeah so i um i started out by being a, a progressive rock and roll burnout in the 70s i uh, loved listening to bands like yes and emerson lake and palmer uh king crimson Kraftwerk, and a band mm-hmm. called triumvirate and uh just this, the the set the synthesizer sounds the mini moog stuff especially in those states just uh really attracted my attention mm-hmm and so I started, I've been playing keyboard since I was a little kid. And um, my first synthesizer I got was actually a Pi 4700 kit. That was pretty terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have a rusted out version of, of that thing that's been like sitting on a little desk off in the corner for like the past year and a half. That wow. I'm not going to do anything with like this thing needs some heavy duty work and I just need to get it to somebody that will want to put the time in. But was it kind of, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Did it have like a keyboard attached to it too? Like a wooden. Yeah. It had a a voltage, both voltage divider style keyboard. They had ones that had a computer keyboard, but I didn't get that. Uh, I just got the basic, the basic keyboard, but there were, there was a sequencer of several oscillators couple of vcas couple of filters it was a envelope follower it was a it was pretty complete uh the problem mm-hmm. was it just was a piece of garbage and it, i mean <laughs> you could the oscillators wouldn't track more than three or four notes maybe if you're lucky yeah and, uh, but it was, it was more fun to build it than than actually uh useful yeah yeah that's funny and, and so happen. i guess yeah so then where did you go from there well basically not not doing too much i mean and i was uh starting life as a teenager and going to college and didn't have much money. So I just kind of uh, would go to music stores and, and try to play synthesizers. Uh, they were the stores. I grew up in New York and you could go to music stores that would have like Moogs and Arps and uh, stuff like that and just sit around and play with them. So mm-hmm. I kept my interest alive for a while. And then I decided a little later on as I started making a living that I could afford to buy stuff. So the first... <laughs> I was living in Los Angeles, and the first I bought the uh, the first synthesizer I bought, real one, was a Prophet Six Hundred, and oh, that wow. probably probably had to be nineteen six nineteen six sorry uh, nineteen eighty five eighty six eighty four okay. so, so somewhere there and it was it was like two thousand dollars it was uh, but it was wonderful and in fact I still have it to this day. Oh wow! I, I, that- I've recently I've recently refurbished it. Uh, put a, there's a processor upgrade that looks, works really nicely, uh, refurbished some of the keys. A couple of the pots were bad. Uh, one of the switches, the, the muck switches was bad. So, uh, 
you turn one knob and everything would every parameter would adjust <laughs> your macro, your macro knob is yeah exactly that's i, I should have thought of that it's a feature it's right, undocumented features here we go uh and then so uh but uh but the, the profit is just it's, it's wonderful keyboard uh it's very immediate it's very play playable uh, i mean you could turn it on and would be and just have something really cool in about 30 seconds and yeah. so um so i really like that but um and then i at that same time i bought a four track yamaha uh cassette recorder device which mm -hmm. was kind of an interesting thing they had a little mixer and a little four track cassette deck and i was doing multi-tracking that's awesome I, uh, it was kind of fun had a uh, had an Apple IIe with a, a, a regular, an original MPU 401 MIDI card, and um, I was running a program in the texture, which was written by uh, Roger Powell, who played with Todd Rundgren in Utopia. Hmm. And so, uh, so that was like one of the first sequencers. It was it was pretty basic, but it was uh, it was kind of fun. And could you? Um, and so, were you just kind of yeah in your? <laughs> in your office kind of putting tracks together and stuff yeah yeah doing multi-tracking on because you really only had two channels on the cassette deck i mean i've always been a bit of a, a technological kind of guy and so what mm -hmm. i did is i could record sync they had, they had tape sync which was a very okay. large so there were four tracks so you would put tape sync on the fourth track and so what would happen is it would bleed into the third track since the signal was so loud we only really gave you two channels to record on that were any good but it was still, I still, um, actually, I, I cleaning out my shed the other day, I found a, a couple of cassettes, and I, I'm kind of hoping if I can find somebody uh, who has one of those, I can play it back and listen to it. Yeah, that's it. You just got to go down to the, you know, pawn shop or something. and Yeah, really. So somebody <laughs> out there must have one. Give me a call. Private message me, please. <laughs> that, then I've got a box of us, you know, a quarter-inch tape reel-to-reel stuff. Mm-hmm. Which is going to be kind of from like the 70s. Oh my god, what is that? <laughs> yeah, I'm like staring at my reel to reel that has not worked in the past year and a half. And what what have you got? Um what is this thing? It's a TAC um thirty three hundred, thirty four hundred. Uh A4010S. Oh, cool. It's a, you know, it looks nice. It works well for a while, but mm -hmm. um, I just, the, the guy that was, uh, you know, as you know, I have no um, uh, soldering skills or technical of any of this stuff. And so, so, so I've heard, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the guy that it was amazing that I actually bought this from um, and he has this repair shop in Renton and um you know, it was just the place you walk in, it's just stacked high with like, you know, black mm -hmm. boxes and like just it could tip over and kill anybody at one time or another. But, <laughs> but he's, he's been like servicing these things since the 70s. And he's like he's in his 70s and stuff. He's great, but it's he's, you know, like a, almost an hour away. So it's hard to to make yeah. that journey there and back, um, you know, two times to get that thing back in working order anywho um so but you so i guess fast forwarding to um you did start kind of to get into modular before 
right. jumping into Buchla, right? Right. I'd say probably about 95, 2005, 2006, <clears throat> I started looking at Eurorack stuff. Okay. And uh, I found it very interesting and uh, <clears throat> wound up going to any, a NAM show for a couple of years. <clears throat> and I uh, saw some stuff. And uh, it was the years when there wasn't much going on in modular at the NAM show. It was uh, it was pretty pretty sparse. A couple of tables, uh, maybe 15, yeah. 20 people. And uh, <clears throat> but I liked what I saw, and uh, so I bought a bunch of stuff. I bought on from uh, eBay a dope for a package somebody had in the rack with again a couple of oscillators, a couple of filters. Uh, actually, the big bucket for the uh, big dope for bucket brigade uh, module, the one with the multiple taps, and that thing oh, is just okay. that thing is just wonderful. It's, it's really cool. And so, um, nice. so I, I bought I bought that and started making bleeps and bloops and blops and stuff with that. And going, this is really cool. But I immediately started noticing the the format of the modules was a little small for me. As mm-hmm. the uh, <laughs> as the, as the patching would get denser and denser, I had more and more trouble uh, getting my fingers in to turn a knob or, or flip a switch. And um, somewhere probably about I don't know two thousand six two thousand seven seven was it. Somewhere, anyway, I started seeing the the Buchla stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, and it really started. It started to see. It was kind of not really on my radar, but it was. It was. Uh, I kind of liked the look of it, and I liked the the size of the modules. I said, I could do someday. I'll be able to afford that stuff. <laughs> we start saving now, and yeah, so right. Right. <laughs> you know, I was a young 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 family. You know, there were other priorities at the time. Yeah, for sure. You know that. I, I do. I'm in that that mode. Um, <laughs> and so, um, so flash forward was your first thing then to get an easel? Yeah, I bought that from uh, from Noisebug, and uh, I just they they happened to have one. I called them up. They said, "Yeah, we got one," and it was a, actually a Bemi uh, easel at that mm-hmm. time. And so mm-hmm. I I laid out the three thousand whatever dollars it was, and a couple of days later it showed up at my house, and I'm like, "What do I do with this thing?" You know, they, they got the they got, they got the, Al, the Alan Strange manual that's like impossible to understand the first twenty times you read through it. The thirtieth time yep. I read through it, it started making sense. It's been what five, it's been like six or seven years now. I've had an easel, and it's finally making sense. No, totally, yeah, I'm in the same boat. Like I I reread that and um and like his his Marf uh also he did the the um like a uh, Marf manual and mm-hmm. also Suzanne Chiani's um, her paper on her oh, performance God, yeah. stuff. Like that's pretty. I'm, I, yeah. I need, I literally have to read it like every six months and I'm always pulling something like <laughs> new out of it. Yeah. What's funny is you get, it, it really pulls you in different directions. Yeah. And that's, and yeah, that's two the, different, yeah. two different thinkers. Yeah, for for sure, and that's kind of the cool thing about oh. modular and and, and buchlas and all that kind of stuff is, you know, people use it all in different ways. Everybody's mm-hmm. got a, every everybody's got a a tact or a way that they want to use it, and it's uh it's it's amenable to all of them. You know. Suzanne, yeah, and I guess. That... Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say like you know, Suzanne uses it, you know, one way and. Uh, you know, Cortini uses it a different way, and it's just kind of, you know, it's kind of fun. It's like, it brings out your own yeah. voice, I think, this stuff. Definitely. And, man, I'd, lo- I'd love to hear, 
I, I've heard a little bit of Alan Strange's music, mm-hmm. but I'd love to hear more kind of somebody needs to track some down and put together some sort of compilation mm-hmm. of his Buchla works. I'd love to hear that would <laughs> really be cool, kind yeah. of the depths of, of where he went with it. Um, so, so yeah, did you, uh, did you take some lessons from Todd then? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much a, just put my head down and go for it myself. I, um, I have a big engineering background in like hardware and stuff. So mm-hmm. the building blocks work. Um, came pretty easily to me. I, mean, I know what a filter is. I know what an amplifier is. I know what an oscillator does. I know AM and FM and what they do intellectually. The, uh, the, thing, <laughs> yeah. is to, the thing is, you know, what, what's, the, what's the sonic effect that all these things have? And so, yeah, how, uh, how do we I, put them together in context? Right, right. To Todd, I mean, I learned a, a bunch from watching his videos for sure. I mean, I can't, I can never thank him enough for all that stuff. But uh, no, I never took any private lessons now. Okay, yeah, because I was wondering then how how you got the the recommendation um, to for the Marf. Or yeah, so I guess how did how did then the Marf? How did you learn about that and and want to get one? Well, I think um, I'd seen maybe some postings on on on, on Mod Wiggler about the Marf. And then there was that posting, like I said, from uh, that Roman had released it as open source. And then I said, mm-hmm. I think I can, I can, maybe I'll get one of those and start playing. Again, I've always loved sequencers. And this is like a sequencer mm-hmm. plus a, do- a dozen other things. But it hard, it still is a sequencer, yeah. to me anyway. And so uh, I said, yeah. I'm just going just just to go buy one. I somehow got in touch with Bill from Todd. And uh, like, yeah, let's just do it. So... And here we are. That's interesting that you, yeah, that, so, so even part, partly that was kind of opening up, like you'd have access to see what was going on behind, um, behind the hood of it. That was, so that was part of like a factor in you wanting to get it. Well, I think it's, it's what triggered it. I think I was going to buy one anyway, but when I realized how messed up it was, mm-hmm. I thought for somehow I was, I, I saw that, <laughs> that, 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 I saw that posting um, and just again, for some reason, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try to do that. Now, I, I have a background yeah. in, I, you know, I've done some software, but you know, software is not my life. But I, you know, I've been around it mm-hmm. my whole life. So I looked at the code and I'm like, this doesn't look so bad. Oh boy, was I mm-hmm. wrong? <laughs> I totally, totally, talking about under, I, I added new meaning to the word underestimation. <laughs> it's got a whole new depths, too. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> It was, and so, so, so I think I was really the first person to jump on that bandwagon to uh, yeah. to, to download the code and start uh, try to start looking at it and make heads or tails out of it. But this is once once we started quantifying, once we started looking at what was really broken. You know, it, it was really several areas. You know, the um, the output mm-hmm. pulses, the one, the output pulse one and two were swapped, which wound up yep. being a hard a hardware issue in some cases. Uh, there were Pulses that weren't happening at all or at the right time. You couldn't externally clock the thing. So there were a whole bunch of issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, scaling in uh, in limited uh, voltage modes was was off. You couldn't get a full range signal by moving the slider uh, all the way from the top to the bottom. So as I was saying, breaking down the, uh, once you look at a daunting task and you're breaking into doable chunks, it, uh, it all seems a lot more doable. 
I guess. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, everything, the, 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 all the stuff that I read about the Marth is, it just doesn't work. I can't clock it. I can't use it. it, does, it just, basically, it was, everybody, nobody was happy. So I, Yeah, I, I, started, I feel like I was the only, I mean, I, I'm the first to admit I'm like easily amused. Um, and so even when it was working at its like 50% capacity, I was like, this mm-hmm. thing is rad. Um, yeah. As listeners of the show know but then you know i did kind of i i was hitting limits of like i and seeing the potential of like man if this was working properly you know if like because you see all these things on the panel what it can do but it's not really achieving those goals um yeah by by a wide margin yeah yeah so yeah so digging it it, yeah i feel like your first thing was kind of getting pulses because it was like basically only you know the the first programmed pulse, I think, was was well, only working. But I don't think either. I don't think any of the programmed pulses were working when it was externally clocked. Oh, that was it. That's right. Yeah, wow, it was a year and a half, and I still remember. Like that's scary. Yeah, that's good. Good on you. Uh, but uh, yeah, the uh, the programmed pulses were kind of an important one. Then then we discovered they were backwards. Yep. Which we fixed in software, so now it, nobody has to worry about that anymore. You don't have to swap the resistors. <laughs> yeah, so there's like, you know, half the MARF set or version 2.1 or whatever that's floating mm-hmm. around out there have that. Right. But um, the the, uh, the, the one thing that was really interesting is in terms of fixing was the, uh, the external clocking stuff. I did a, um, a video chat with Suzanne and I'm looking at her system and she's got the stop and the start jacks jumpered. I'm like, why are you yeah. doing that? Why are you doing that? She goes, well, that's how we used to do it. You plug that in, and it just steps through each uh, each step without having to have a stop on it. I'm like, really? I, I'd never heard of that before. In my, I'm a newbie. I'm not, not, <laughs> I, I, I don't have I don't have the deep Pukla history behind me. So when she when she said that, we kind of I did some looking at some code, and uh, we fixed that one pretty quickly. And that's actually a great way to operate. Yeah, I mean, I. I had tried that. Like, I think I'd seen her patch that way, but it was not working. And she was on a, she's using like a, the version one, correct? That's Originally, correct. like, yeah. Um, she also had and, two version twos. Yeah. She, <laughs> she had a menagerie of, of uh, Marfs. Um, she, she loves those things. Yeah. Uh, and but yeah, so I would I would put stop pulses on every step if I'm going to treat it like I'm going to clock it separately, right. you know, which works, and that's mm-hmm. a step. But but no, yeah, since since you guys you know enacting that, it's much easier to just yeah throw one or two cables in there and and you're off. Um, okay, so back up and how how did you how did you first like reach out to Suzanne and, and kind of and get that relationship started. Well, I think we, I think we talked and you introduced me to uh, Rachel, her uh, assistant. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was me. That's right. It's, it's your fault. <laughs> it's all you. So you everything. Yeah. No, don't back to you, Kyle. <laughs> I wasn't, I feel like a real jerk right now. Cause I, yeah. I didn't recall how you got, <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't just trying to talk myself up of like, oh, that's right. You have, you know, I set yeah. that up. Oh, wow. That's a good moment. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just remember being very excited that, you know, because we had, I when we talked to her on the show, we had joked about, 
um, you know, wanting to have some sort of like Marf summit. So we're like, how do we fix this thing and, and, and get it working properly. And, and I felt like, yeah, you talking to her and kind of doing that is like, this is all right, this is happening. We're, um, because yeah, there's not many people that actually had these things and know how they worked. Yeah, that, that's for darn sure. And that was, uh, that was part of the problem. There's there, I guess there are a few of them still out there in the wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one or two, maybe the originals. In fact, there, there was a picture that I think you had that had somebody had like a bunch of panels. Um, with, with the multiple well, outputs or something. Y- yeah, there's gosh. Yeah, there's one that used to be at um, Evergreen State College. Uh, I talked to the guy that used to kind of run this, the um, the program there and was was close with Don and stuff and kind of got the whole 200 system up and going in the in the 70s and he had one of those kind of like in a um uh, an easel type case like an 8u thing which was yeah it had your main kind of um what do we call them 1602 or whatever um with, with the two outputs and your program section and then your 16 sliders and then it was uh uh, another underneath that, I think it was four, um, four another set of four outputs, and then right. another set of sliders. Um, that beautiful. Uh, he's he said that um, students would uh, check that out, kind of like for a week or two weeks at a time, because you kind of needed that as you're like to hold on to it and not have anybody come in and mess up your settings. Like if you're working yeah. on a composition. Um, I thought that was really interesting. I've been trying to get back a hold of them to see like where that thing went because they don't have that anymore. And um, I know that uh, I think uh, Richard D. James Apex Twin bought the one hundred their one hundred series a long time ago. So I'm wondering if that went as well. Who knows? Um, But yeah, no, uh, I, I. uh, Reed, um, who's a musician and is on like the uh, Modwigger forms a bit. Right. He he probably has the, I'm guessing the biggest collection of, um, of, of original Bukla stuff, and he has like two or three sets of of and that have like multiple outputs, different versions of the Marv. Well, do um, they work? It sounds like it. Yeah, he had cool. uh, Mark Ver- Verbos. Um, kind of overhaul them you know probably 10 to 15 years ago and i think he he in you know there's a, been a recent post on mod wiggler that we've kind of talked yes. about somebody kind of brought up um you know how well is is the marf working and reed kind of commented on that and um you know as being like a, an owner of two or three of them you know i uh trust his perspective on on how it works and um and so so yeah he's got a so he he had mark do a few some some kind of mods i think it was maybe mods to help um to help clock it externally not quite certain it was something with some diodes for some pulses or something that was yeah yeah and then um alessandro's got one there's one at ems which i played on um Mm. And it was a bit haunted. Um, it kind of, 
it did it from what I could tell, it kind of did what it wanted to do. Um, in, in a lot of ways it worked as our Marfs worked. Um, but, but didn't at the, at the same time, yeah. it just kind of would reset itself at certain times. Um, so, so yeah, you know, my guess is there's probably, I would say maybe less than 10 Marfs out there, the, the right. original ones that actually, work and see a lot of use and so there's and there's no documentation for people at my level or your level so yeah. um so there's just a low level right exactly just, i mean <laughs> we're just no we're really nobodies and we're just little little people and i'm okay with that yeah uh yeah. i like I, I like that actually but uh the, the point is is that you know i, I saw that posting on mod wiggler and it was really interesting because i mean reading those guys are totally right what what What's, what's currently out there with the version uh, 2.5 firmware for the version 2 MARF is, is not a re, it's not like the original MARF, from what I can gather. Again, I don't know, so I don't I don't know, but uh, I, I don't I believe that to be true. Uh, but what it is is it's still a really good product. I mean, I find it uh, inspiring myself. I've got two of them. Um, mm -hmm. Most of the time, I, I rip the keyboard out of my uh, my easel box and put a MARF in the bottom. So I've got the MARF in the uh, and the and the sound generator the the, the easel and it's just uh, a great combination with with that into the yeah. 208 toolbox you've got the inputs and the outputs and you've got you know places to send all those signals yeah and start yeah driving different different things the, the different things right i mean you can trigger the the mod you know the, the two the two uh low pass gates separately which is really kind of nice for me i like that yeah. So I can take program pulse one and feed it to one, program pulse two, feed it to the other one, and get some you know polyrhythmic kind of things going on out of the same uh, same timeline. Yeah, and you and I kind of went the same path because you had the easel, and then this was kind of the first, um, you know, other module that you got in Buchla, right? Right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, and that was kind of I had a two I had a two eighty one as well, but then I had. Mm -hmm the marf i kind of was like in my mind i was like i wanted something cv based that was very complex because it was going to be you know a sizable investment for me right. and it would probably be the only thing that i would get for like a year but i was like well i can probably spend a year trying to figure this thing out which i oh yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> did and, and still am um but no yeah i i agree with you you know it's just like it's it's tough to have the perspective of like well how it originally worked i mean right. i have worked with some original modules when i was at ems in stockholm and you know a lot a lot of the things f functioned as my clones at at home did like there weren't too many like drastic like wow that sounds completely different right. or that mm -hmm. you know that 281 does nothing what my 281 does at home like right no they all they you know they pretty much match the panel the marf was tough because um it's just yeah wasn't really working properly so the one i had at home was like better more yeah more desirable in that <laughs> situation now if i had you know, an original one and it was working, you know, in a, right. the way it should, like admit that might be a different story, but yeah, what you, um, 
and the other guys have done to kind of get this thing working. And there's and what we found is like maybe you know there's there's certain perks with this one too because I think what we kind of all are realizing in what what Reed had talked about is um is that you can for the different programming of like the quantization and the slope and um, limiting your your uh, CV ranges. Right. Uh, if you would put that on one output, um, if you modified that, you would then find it on the same steps um, on the other that. output. Right. Um, which in the version that that we have, um, that's not the case. So you can really have some <laughs> truly arbitrary. <laughs> separation um, right. while still using these overlapping steps so you know you can use the same five steps on one side of the um on one output um with slopes and different cv ranges and use those same mm -hmm. steps but have them be kind of completely different on the other output um exactly same same base same base same base data but you're mod you're uh, modifying it differently be, yeah, be the, yeah. The, the range or the slope or whatever yeah yeah exactly which you know and what i keep on you know like mentioning those other types of marfs that have more um outputs um you know kind of being like a you know be a dream to work with and in, in that if i had that kind of stuff but since that is the case that you're kind of um you know, or needing to have, or the same modifications are going on the steps. It makes sense that then maybe you would really segment out one operator to take up the, you know, first however many steps, and that second mm -hmm. operator is going to not really overlap much. So you really need to have more sliders, right? Um, a little slide the, blanket. That's why the expander is so good. You having thirty-two he, sliders really gives you some some elbow room. Yeah, definitely in like yeah, it's especially for the sense of just straight kind of sequencing, which is you know what we kind of what you mentioned too. Like we both, I think we both kind of see it as a sequencer. Yet it can be an envelope generator right. or set set ones up for LFOs, which is kind of like what, um, yeah, you know, having we're in my mind. I think if we had more operators or I call them operators for some reason, but like output <laughs> sections, right. um, we would maybe have more flexibility to not just think of it as a sequencer and, right. and actually use it for different types of mod modulation. Is that, do yeah. you kind of think of that in the same way? Well, I kind of do. I mean, a lot of the times I find I'm only using like an eight step sequence for each of the two halves. And they said they don't overlap. Mm -hmm. And so one's going to be notes and one output is going to be, you know, envelopes or arbitrary functions or something. So yeah. I kind of tend to, I tend to run it so they don't overlap. Yeah. Suzanne kind of use, uses it in a way as a sequential switch, really. Right. And like the most complex <clears throat> sequential switch that you can find would be this thing. <clears throat> totally. Um, you know, which... And so, yeah, like her, it's not really being used for, for pitch information, but right. I, yeah. Do you, have you used the, the external inputs much? No, a little bit for, I mean, sometimes I do a random step selection. Yeah. And then other times, well, I mean, I find that the, uh, the, the random input, the external inputs are good for random. If you've got it uh, constrained with a uh, quantizer. 
Mm-hmm. Then you can you can stay in the in the realm. But uh, sometimes I mean sometimes it's useful and sometimes you just kind of you get garbage out of it. It's like everything. <laughs> but, but no, I, I've not used that feature very much. I mean, one of the first features that really interested me on the Morph was the um, the interstep timing adjustments. Yeah, the fact that you could change the the timing between those. That was I think that's the one feature that made me want to buy it. Mm-hmm. More, more more than anything. Yeah, it it's funny like the the pieces of music that I've done to where I've where those have played like a big part where it's just like, I'm just kind of, I'm just mapping out the timing by feel like I'll just like Mm -hmm. run through sequence and just kind of nudge one thing one way and nudge something another way. It, it, it takes that kind of grid machine feel out of it and gives it a little more human feel in, in, I guess in my estimation, or that's how I, Uh, that's what it does to me in my ear. It's just like, oh, just it sounds like somebody's like kind of plunking around on a piano, not quite in perfect time or something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, where it's like, man, like, uh, and I don't know, those things have like, yeah, really resonated with me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think personally, after listening to a lot of Bukla style music, I, I think I tend to be a little more side of things myself than a lot of other people. And mm-hmm. so with, with, the, with the melodic stuff and the ability to change timing, I felt, again, the morph was just like the perfect thing for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it comes down to like, um, it. yeah, it's a very flexible compositional tool, how right. I kind of I think of it. Like I, I think about other systems and I'm like, you know, in Moog, is there anything that, comes near this you know like in a way like I... well you can program like where the next step comes goes to and there's a bunch of that stuff yeah but it's a different model yeah yeah i don't know we're we're gushing at this point but <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you i just like I, I can't tell you how much i just love the thing yeah uh, but, but is it original no i'm, not, no, I'm yeah. sorry 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 none of us knew how to do that yeah right yeah until someone does i mean you know the mems guys um mark and chip we've had on here a couple times um you know this is they're trying to get through everything so hopefully we will see like a um you know a a pretty a newer uh revive or you know version of this thing um that will probably work like the old one um so that'll be interesting to really I think that'll probably be the first opportunity that I might be able to get to hear these things for sure side by side. Yeah, um, can we beta test them? Kyle and I both know how these things work, sort of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on, Mark, Chip. Yeah, right, yeah, please. <laughs> tr- tr- trust us when we lie to you. <laughs> so, um, so do you, th- so I, I, I guess, real quick, can you shout out the other guys that, that worked? Um, on this project with you sure there was you know max lord was uh, a big help uh dave brown is a phenomenal person and a brilliant brilliant guy but i think yeah. dave brown's besides his meticulous nature what he brought to the uh to the project was uh the scribe he kind of kept track of all the stuff that was going on mm-hmm. and uh, and documented it on his website and that was kind of cool yeah it's a um, it's a big page now for like all the <laughs> that he's he's kept up for the marf 
Yeah, it was. And uh, I mean, I still look at it sometimes to refer to it. Um, mm -hmm. Before we move on to the people, who, who, who can we thank? God, there's so many people. Um, again, Stefan was really good about uh, keeping up with our changes in hardware. And I guess his stuff is all up to date now in terms of all the, all the day's changes. So that's, that's kind of a handy thing to do. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that, he, he, he took a risk. Um, again, where there was there were troubles with the processor, and there, there there was no ground plane on the circuit board, so it was like spewing all sorts of noise into the system. So we uh, we came up with a, uh, a processor board with a ground plane that's mounted directly to the circuit board instead of being on that daughter card. Mm -hmm. And so, so he did he did a bit of work there. So that's that was, was kind of cool. Uh, and so I forget some of these people's names. It was Pacific State, <laughs> and he was in San Francisco. Uh, he's, he did some of the work on the processor board, uh, stuff. That was kind of cool. Um, was James the, Fowler do yeah, some he, stuff he did, on that? He, he did some testing and work for us uh, on mm -hmm. that. And he was actually really good. He's uh, another person who's really into it. Yeah. He's great. Uh, yeah. Even if he does live in New York, um, who else? There must be, I'm forgetting somebody else. There was a, a guy in England who teaches at a university. I apologize. I'm forgetting your name, man. But uh, he was real helpful. <laughs> Sorry, I, yeah, I, I sprung this on you. So I didn't. Um, yeah. in, do you feel like, I mean, are there like more things that you want to tweak on it? Or I think I know just talking to you personally, like you, you've needed a break <laughs> yeah. for a bit because it's been a it you know it basically took up all of last year it didn't i was i was waking up at three o'clock in the morning and uh writing code i'm like now this isn't healthy <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i always appreciated that for, just to let you know i, I oh, read those benefits of those 3 a.m uh coding sessions yeah and uh, so, I mean, well, with, with, there are some things. I'm sure there's still bugs in there. I mean, there must be. I'm, I'm sure. Like, I, I'm sure there's a, another trigger or, or gate pulse bug in there somewhere. <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't doubt it. That, that that code was like spaghetti code for sure. And we just kind of. I mean, I, that one was a tough one for me. I was just kind of looking through it on paper with a paper and pencil, trying to figure out the logic. Mm -hmm. um, the, the other thing that I there's a feature that I always wanted to do, and it kind of ties into what Reed was talking about. Uh, being able to look at the panel and being able to see what's going on. Because like, so you've got one, one row of, or two rows of sliders for really different multiple outputs. So, you know, yeah. section A or section B can be looking at those. You don't know, they don't have to be on the same step. So I always wanted to implement a, a three color uh, LED so that one sequence would be like one color. This other sequence would be a different color. And when they overlap on the same step, it would be the third color. Yeah, no, that makes that would be really cool. Yeah, I, a sequencer called a P3 from Sequentix, it's a standalone MIDI sequencer, and they do that kind of thing, and it's really handy. Yeah, that's really neat because I will I'll get myself into jams where like. <laughs> You know, it's like I'll get a sequence going, and and then like I'm gonna switch over to the other side on the other output, and I'm gonna 
kind of overlap another sequence or something, or I'm, or I'm um, triggering pulses from that one. But I'm not, because I can't see where that first sequencer is, I'm just doing it by ear. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to select this one, this one, this one. But then there's points where I'll reset the sequence and it'll be out of step with the original one. And I have to kind right. of like, you know, figure oh, out where, where, shoot, where, yeah, where was that? So I started, <laughs> and which we didn't have that advance switch working. Right. That's um, another thing we fixed. Yeah forever so i would literally like have to stop it and just randomly okay now i'm gonna start it nope that wasn't right i'll stop it now we get to start it like why do we put ourselves through this torture but <laughs> but yeah now i can just advance through until it kind of syncs up and it it works but uh yeah that i mean i yeah like i kind of i'm i'm cool with those kinds of like functionality up upgrades or thoughts mm -hmm. and, and stuff right. like you know i have my own uh hopes and dreams and aspirations of different modules that you know definitely collect from cool things that a bukla module will do but you know maybe now with modern technology you can kind of give it a few other layers of of um of a functionality um i'm you know i'm not too um beholden to like well this is how it was and this is how it how it should be um because you know most of us are kind of just using these clones anyway so we can't really um prophetize for uh for these things being original right but um okay so Tell me about the uh, the music you've been working on because people are going to be able to hear it in uh, well, probably a couple weeks from now. Oh, very cool! Yeah, I'm actually just finishing up uh, putting the uh, the mix together. All, all the little stuff that happens after you make the music, they're still you're still not done. <laughs> you know, I, I work on this piece for like six weeks, and then now I, I have to adjust levels and EQ and a little compression to make it pop a little bit. So. I enjoy mm -hmm. that part of the process. Uh, and actually, as part of the process, I've been kind of going through a lot of my archives and listening to older stuff. And that's always kind of fun and inspiring. Mm -hmm. Except for the ones that I listen to it, I'm like, when did I do that? I don't remember that one. <laughs> who, who, who did this? Who did this in front of my hard drive? Yeah. Who's that guy? What, how did this get in here? I kind of love that feeling. Like sometimes you get into these creative zones where yeah, where I feel like I'm, oh, I'm doing a lot of stuff, but then I go back two months later. It's like, wow, I don't remember doing that at all, but it's, it's cool to hear it with a fresh mind. So, yeah, so you've been working on this um, uh, uh, artist spotlight episode that we will be putting out um, uh, mid-August uh, is when, oh, when cool. that will be. So, um, so, yeah, after people hear this um, a couple weeks later... Yeah. They'll get to hear your I'll be rich and famous. I'll be rich and famous. <laughs> That's right. <There's, laughs> it's, let me it's, tell it's you, the there's fame. there's so much money in this uh, this game. Let me tell you. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it is totally. No, yeah. Go ahead. No, yeah. No, go ahead. Okay. What I was going to say is, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually in the process of cleaning out my office right now. So I've got all my stuff cleaned out so I can clean the floor. I mean, it's just a disaster. 
And what I had <laughs> was just my easel with the morph in it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying to clean. I'm, I'm moving a moving box, just cleaning stuff up. And the sucker kept calling my name. <laughs> so, you don't want to be doing that. You want to be over here patching cables and, and recording stuff. And it, it, was, mm -hmm. it, was, it, was, it was it was it was for two weeks. It was an addiction. I couldn't. I just every I, I try to work and I couldn't. So I just said, I'm just going to start recording stuff. And uh, with a very simple setup, I think it was just the easel with the Marth and then my uh, Eventide H9 box, and that was it. Yeah, some you know, then, gosh, sometimes that's all you need, right? Like, I don't need racks of stuff all the time. Yeah, yeah. So you see, strip it down and. Yeah, that's so cool. I <laughs> I think you had mentioned that to me, and I was like, yeah, I get that feeling too, where it's like, oh man, my office, much like you know, is a mess. And I in the the uh, Beatles song uh, "Still My Guitar Gently Weeps" comes to mind because I'm just jamming <laughs> on the bukla. But it's like, yeah, uh, still my Marf gently beeps is what I'll <laughs> title Indeed, a song like someday. I like that one. <laughs> Yeah, but, 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 but doing the music doing the music was fun and I think some of it's pretty good and there's some longer pieces and some short thematic and a lot of pop related stuff I, I mean growing growing up listening to things like Kraftwerk uh, really I think warped my musical sensibilities as a, as a teenager mm-hmm as we're yeah very malleable but, back then and yeah it's just kind of, just kind of fun. I like I like pop goes, how can you how can you like that stuff? I, it makes me feel good. <laughs> yeah, but you know, then, but you've got your, I guess I wouldn't classify like yes as straight pop, you know? No, no, that's the progressive but, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, then you got that mix, and that's where it's like you've got this, I still think, still progressive instrument that you're using, and then, uh, but making pop music with it. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of interesting. It's not what I would have expected I'd be doing, but I'm I'm still loving it. I just love the Buchla stuff, and I want more. More. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Gonna need a bigger boat. Um, what? Uh, yeah. What's What's calling you? I don't know. I, I still need a source of uncertainty. I don't have one. I can always mm -hmm. use you know, a quad gate or a quad envelope generator. I think those. Are, I'm going for some of the basic building blocks now. I said, you have the. 1979 MSV, yeah, modal synthesizer voice. And I, I, that's another module that I just I love to death. Uh, I tend to like plug sounds a lot. I find that myself using them quite often. And then with plug sounds, when you add a little distortion, you've got your guitar sound. So that's kind of the handles a couple mm. of bases. But mm -hmm. I said, that's just, the, the, the modal synthesizer voice is just a wonderful, wonderful box, and it goes really well. And I've got a 259, which I really like also. That's uh, Yeah, that's I mean, right. And then a bunch of Marfs. Right. And then a bunch of Marfs. Two of them. And the Expander, <laughs> right? Right. So actually, as I call them, I call them Franken-Marfs. Because <laughs> they all have different mods and different things done to them, little wires hanging off and back. <laughs> For, yeah, different different flavors for whatever you need. So yeah, yeah, so it sounds like you need to get a yeah, you're you're still needing some basics. I'll, I'll um I haven't tried that 
1979 module that then that would kind of doesn't even need a a low pass gate right it's kind of got gates built into it kind of sort of yeah i mean you can gate it afterwards and i do sometimes but you don't have to mm-hmm. that's nice if, it, that's if cool. you feed it if you feed it a, I mean, it has built-in you know base noise generators for for making the basic sounds that you resonate but uh you can also feed an external sound and so a short ping does really cool stuff mm, gotcha cool uh well all right man i appreciate you coming on and uh chatting about this stuff with me there's just not you know there's not too many dudes i get to talk about the marf with for for hours and i uh i appreciate you always responding when i'm uh facebook messaging you about some bug i've found or or whatever i, I feel like i need to bother you with <laughs> I mean, you were really helpful when we were doing the work and testing stuff, and you actually found quite a bit of uh, pulse-related things going on. So, thank you for that. Hey, no, no problem. Any, any time. I'm uh, definitely a dork that uses this thing a lot. So, uh, mm-hmm. I, I have no idea I, what you mean. I find things. <laughs> yeah, you helped me. Like, yeah, it was. Yeah, like you were a, a good teacher and and getting me to be like, okay, you need to like figure out how to document this stuff properly and and go through and 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 uh, do my or get regimented about how I'm testing and right. stuff. That right. was and sim- simplify. It's all about simplifying. Mm-hmm. If you if you mm-hmm. can recreate a bug with with one patch instead of twenty, it's easier to solve. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Kind of like life. Simplify. That's right, you know. <laughs> Just a Marf and a easel case. That's that's all you need. It's my desert island rig, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's a good one. Oh, all yeah. right, buddy. Great, great chatting with you. Yeah, good to talk to you. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, people hearing your music in a little bit. I'd like to thank Steve Barsky for being on the show. Like I mentioned earlier, you'll be able to hear his Artist Spotlight episode in a couple weeks. And uh, Steve also wanted to make sure that he gave the proper shout-out to Neil Crane and Guy McCusker, uh, who he, <laughs> he couldn't re- remember in the uh, middle of me asking him about it in the in the interview. So, um, so yeah, big shout-out to them for helping fix the MARF firmware. Please check out our friend's podcast. There's Tim Held's Podular Modcast, Jay Ryan's The Deerhorn Podcast, and the Galaxy Electric's Cosmic Tape Music Club Podcast. If you want to help support the show, you can do so through Patreon at patreon.com slash sourceofuncertainty, and you can get your Source of Uncertainty t-shirts at sourceofuncertainty.threadless.com. You can find out more about the show or contact us through our website, sourceofuncertainty.audio. You can find us on Instagram at sourceofuncertainty and also search for us on YouTube. Thanks, and we'll talk to you next month.